0: Hey, y'all. Katie here. Just a quick programming note. At the end of this episode, we say we are going to do Delilah Green Doesn't Care by Ashley Herring Blake as our next book club episode. But we are actually going to have a bonus book club this month. So the episode you're about to listen to is about Honey and Spice by Bolu Babalola. But our next episode, two weeks from today on August 31st, will actually be a bonus book club episode about, no surprise here, The Dead Romantics by Ashley Poston, a book that I have been evangelizing ever since I read it, and I have now made Abigail read it. I have now forced her into doing a bonus book club episode. So that will be our next book club episode, and then the episode on September 14th will be about Delilah Green doesn't care. So go ahead and read both of those books. We're excited to talk about both of them. But for now, please enjoy this episode about Honey and Spice. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to 50%. I'm Katie Outka. I'm Abigail Rosenthal. And we're coming at you from separate rooms this time. Sadly, separate houses.
1: I had COVID. <laughs> Katie's on her on day nine, and um, COVID hit her really hard. So even though she's feeling better today we are embarking on a new adventure of recording separately so you get uh you get us slightly less
0: uh wine intoxicated than usual because i cannot drink but um but we're here and we're talking about honey and spice by bolu babalola it was our august book club pick and
1: I really loved it. I'm really excited about to talk about this. The best thing was we were going to record last week, like way ahead of time, and record another episode right after because Katie was supposed to do a bunch of travel, and we were going to get ahead of it and get like everything organized, and then Katie tested positive. So it said, bitch, you thought. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to edit last minute again. Yeah, so- we're going to make this stressful. <laughs> yep. So here we
0: are. So this is a different blurb than the original one that I read to you all on the pod. I read the Amazon one, but this is the one from the inside flap of the print copy. So a new blurb. Sharp-tongued and secretly soft-hearted Kiki Bonjo has just made a huge mistake. As an expert in relationship evasion and the host of the popular student radio show Brown Sugar – She's made it her mission to make sure the women of the African Caribbean Society at Whitewell College in southern England do not fall into the mess of, quote, situationships, end quote, players and heartbreak. But when the queen of the unbothered kisses Malachi Kerede, the guy she just publicly denounced as the, quote, waste man of Whitewell, in front of every Blackwellian on campus, she finds her show on the brink. They're soon embroiled in a fake relationship to try and salvage their reputations and save their futures. Kiki has never surrendered her heart before, and a player like Malachi won't be the one to change that, no matter how charming he is or how electric their connection feels. But surprisingly entertaining study sessions and intimate late-night talks at old-fashioned diners force Kiki to look beyond her own presumptions. Is she ready to open herself up to something deeper? A gloriously funny and sparkling debut novel, Honey and Spice is full of delicious tension and romantic intrigue that will make you weak at the knees. Ain't that the truth?
1: Yes. Also, if you follow Reese's Book Club, this was a Reese pick, which yes. was a happy accident, kind of.
0: So, doubling up. Reese gets her inspo from us, clearly.
1: Yes. <laughs> we are the true influencers of Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> Absolutely. Um. So, before we get into the book, I
0: was like, As we were like outlining this episode yesterday, I was Googling, you know, reviews and seeing what other people had said about the book. So I found this piece of this New York Times review that I feel like put into words all of the things that I liked about the book better than I can. So I'm going to read it and I'll link to the New York Times review in the show notes so that y'all can go read the whole thing because it's a really nice review. Um, But the quote that I really liked was, the true stars of Honey and Spice are characterization, banter, and sharp social observation, all of which Babalola renders spectacularly. She soars in her rich depictions of intimacy and relationships in all their grandeur. And Babalola blends the vernacular and rhythms of Black American music with Black British culture and its fusion of Pan-African influences, making the text even richer. I feel like that's like a perfect little vignette of what reading this book was like.
1: Yeah, I almost felt when I was reading it, a lot of the time, I wasn't super focused on the romance aspects. Like I was Mm -hmm. really intrigued by like Kiki and her environment and Kiki and all her interactions with the other characters. And it was really nice. I uh, yeah, I feel like I got to live in her world a little bit and get to understand it a little bit more outside and inside the romance that was going on in the book. For sure, yeah. Like, the
0: the writing was so rich and the way she wrote the characters was so rich that I felt like I really knew all of them really well. Like, none of them were one-dimensional. Like, they all felt like fully fleshed-out characters that I was invested in. Even the ones I didn't really like, I was still, like... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Really just the one character that I didn't like. Right. Um, (laughs) That we're, supp- we're not supposed to like. It's kind of the point.
1: He's yeah, the villain
0: exactly. um, yeah. and we'll get to him. But um, even him, like I felt like we got to know him really well. Like I feel like everyone just really jumped off the page, which
1: was really nice. Yeah. Also, this book has incredible banter. So good. As, oh, it's so good. Um, I mean, British not- pe- like
0: British people are so good at banter. British people are so funny. So of course it's got
1: good banter. And they're great at insulting each other, which definitely comes out in this book. And it's so good. Yeah, it's really, really good.
0: So let's get into it. Yeah. Yeah. So literally page one, I was like, this is hilarious. I'm in. Because the book starts with Kiki like in this like really shitty hookup situation with this really shitty guy. And it is so fucking funny. And that's that is the thing that I will say repeatedly throughout this episode is this book
1: is so funny. It is really funny. And I had the same experience where I opened it up and I feel like it usually takes a couple pages for something to really jump out at me, but same thing. I was like this is a really shitty college hookup. This is so funny. She's totally right. This is awful. This is a pretty universal experience and it's very, very, very funny. And she keeps referring to this guy as just my guy. And she's like describing her surroundings and just, again, how shitty this hookup is. And she just abruptly leaves.
0: Yeah, it's hilarious. Literally, the first line of this book is a piece of dialogue that just says, do you like that? And
1: so from that moment, I was like, oh, no. (laughs) I know. I read it too. And I was like, no, this is, oh, no, she doesn't like this. This is going to be a bad hookup scene. All right. Great. Let's go. (laughs) Yeah. Like on this first page, which is like, you know, only
0: like half a page because it's the first page of the first chapter, right? She refers to this man using her boob as a stress ball, which is hilarious. She, uh, She talks about her cycle where she says, ovulation sometimes makes decisions for you when she's talking about like why she's even hooking up with this man in the first place. It is so funny. Yeah, and she's like talking about this picture of like this poster of Biggie that's like overlooking them as they're hooking up. (laughs) Like you just feel like you're in this room with them. And I think if any, like any woman I guess any woman who like sleeps with men or has had interactions with men specifically like in college specifically in the last like 15 years, I feel like if you're reading this you'll be like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> um so as she's fleeing from this hookup thankfully, um she we we meet the the love interest. We meet Malachi very briefly, in passing. They literally run into each other. So we get a nice little like typical rom-com meet cute, like literally bodies colliding. He's on his
1: way to a hookup Mm -hmm. or a date, you know, however you want to quantify it or qualify it, whatever. He's a bit
0: of a player, as we'll later, later learn. A player with good intentions.
1: Yes. A little bit of a clueless player. You know, not a malicious one, but a little clueless. He's doing his best. He's not doing great, but he's doing his best. <laughs> he's trying. Yeah.
0: Um. So, yeah. So, in this, like, first third of the book, essentially, of course, it's the, like, let's get to know you. Let's get to know the characters. Where are we? What are we doing? And so, Kiki is a college student um, at this college in England. And she hosts a radio show, we learn, Brown Sugar. Um, and she's a bit of an introvert, even though she has this radio show. Um, we start to to figure out. Um, we figure out that Malachi is a player. We don't know that he has good intentions yet. At this right. point, he's getting a little bit dragged across campus
1: for yes. his shenanigans. Yes, uh, he's also a new kid on campus. He's mm-hmm. a transfer student, so he's quickly made himself a reputation, perhaps. And yeah, he's dated yeah. all the ladies. Yes, and like Katie said, Kiki's kind of an introvert. She really only has one friend, kind of by intention. Relatable. She, <laughs> yeah. Um. This book was very relatable in a lot of ways <laughs> <know>. for me, <laughs> which we will talk about. Um, but Kiki kind of stays out of the the more cliquish nature of the Blackwellians, the community of black students on campus. She talks how they have certain cliques that form within the larger community. And the the thing that we learn early on about Kiki is
0: even though she's Kind of introverted, even though she's like not really super tight with any of these clicks or in with any of these clicks. She's sort of the great unifier because they all listen to her radio show.
1: Yeah, even when Malachi is on the way to his date, when he runs into Kiki, his date opens her door and they talk for a little bit. And as Kiki's leaving, she says, "Oh, I can't wait for the next show," or something like that. Like they all listen to Brown Sugar, where. Kiki gives relationship advice, which is interesting because Kiki is not a relationship girl, as she also establishes. She, I don't know if she's ever had a boyfriend. She definitely hasn't had one in college. And she is very committed to kind of protecting all of the women, all of the black women in Whitewell from as the blurb says, like falling into situationships of being like protecting them from being mistreated by the men in their lives, um, from not communicating what they want, you know, all your typical college relationship woes as you're learning how to voice what you want in a relationship.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so Kiki goes on the air and talks about these different um, relationship topics, gives advice. People write into the show and ask her questions. And in this first chunk of the novel, she rolls into this radio show and she's like – she's talking to her producer who is also her best friend, her one friend. Yeah. Um, And the producer is like, man, this is so weird. We're getting a bunch of the same questions all with the same theme that's like How do I get a man to like me? Like, I wonder what's going on. And come to find out, all these women are on the hook with Malachi, essentially. So it all comes back to this man who she ran into in the hallway, leaving from a hookup. And so she goes in the on the air and reads this man to filth, drags him through the mud. It's like I just did the chef's kiss. Like, it's
1: it's so good. Because what really riles her up is that the women in her community are fighting over Malachi in the show's comments, and she gets mad. Mm -hmm. And so she's like, on air, much more articulate, but don't waste your time with this man. He's not worth it. These are the people I'm trying to get you to avoid. Don't don't do it. He's a waste man. She
0: basically like fucking scarlet letters this man like avoid at all costs like if you see this man go the other way because the 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 thing that will the thing that kind of unfolds is that they're like all these different women from all these different cliques so this man has inf- infiltrated all the different groups too it's not just like a certain type of woman he's gotten to all the women so oh it's yeah. like a it's an epidemic there's 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 a public health concern here.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. She is very concerned that Malachi is treating the Blackwellian women as just this all-you-can-eat buffet. Yeah. And taking his pick and then just running off when he gets bored. So, yeah, she um she exposes him, or so she thinks.
0: Yeah, so there is a villain in this romance, and I do yes. love a villain in a romance novel. And I don't mean the type of villain that's like, oh, someone's like... Mean ex girlfriend, or something, or like the popular girl who thinks
1: that this guy shouldn't be with this girl, or whatever. This is a proper villain. So, we get our second run in of Kiki and Malachi at the weekly on campus party for the Blackwellians called Freaky Fridays, which Kiki started. And we learn that her guy from the beginning of the book is. Zach Kingford, the president of the Afro Caribbean Society. And she has been hooking up with him for a few months. She has no feelings for him whatsoever. She's disgusted by him as a person. <laughs> and she's keeping the hookup like super
0: on the DL because he's awful.
1: Yes. And so he confronts her at the party because she broke it off at the beginning of the book and he confronts her. And it's like, why, like, why don't we, like, why aren't we doing this anymore or whatever? And it takes a turn and starts to get dicey. I was getting, I was getting nervous. It would escalate, but mm-hmm. Kiki can hold her own. Yes. He grabs her and she breaks free of him. Um, her friend Amina is off flirting with this other guy, which I love this through line of her. Uh, and. Yes. The DJ Amina. and so Kiki's on her own when Zach confronts her. It gets kind of ugly. She murders him with her words and goes off. Malachi makes eye contact with her. She goes over to him and says, "Kiss me right now," and he does. And it's and super hot. Yeah. Uh, they immediately have a lot of chemistry. It, I think, it lasts like two pages. Yeah. Yeah, the kissing scene. So,
0: this is one of the things that I really wanted to talk about, which is Bolu Babalola writes these intimate scenes in such a unique and like beautiful way. Like she uses a lot of like metaphors and it's just very vivid and lyrical and it's just so different than any romance novel I've read. Um And so the scene is like, yeah, it's it's hot and heavy and steamy. The kiss is hot, but it's also like really, really romantic and beautiful, especially considering they're making out on the dance floor at this like party (laughs) on campus.
1: Yeah, as a bunch of people are around them and like start staring at them because Kiki is well known for not hooking up really with anybody or having any boyfriends or anything like that. And everyone knows that she just dragged him on the radio. And right before this, two other women had confronted him. Yes. And he, for, you know, dating both of them and leading them on. And he, like, calms them down. And it it, it just ends. It, like, fizzles out. And that's kind of it. Yeah. Which everyone's so- like, How?
0: Um. So the, the thing that we haven't talked about here is besides the romance, there's like several storylines happening here. So we've got the romance, which as we've established is a slow burn. And so there are big chunks of this book where the romance kind of doesn't really exist. And we're like dealing with these other side stories. So there's two big side stories going on here. One is that is the saga of what's happening with the society on campus. There's like an upcoming election. There's some unrest in the community. But the other side story that's kind of a through line throughout this whole thing is that Kiki's applying for this summer fellowship program. And so she's working with her mentor on campus, this professor, to – Basically give her the best odds to get into this fellowship program. And as part of the fellowship application, the professor wants Kiki to revamp her radio show, do something new, unique, show that she can be an innovator. And so the professor starts talking about this other student that she's mentoring who's super promising and is really creative and wants to link this person up with Kiki so that they can collaborate or, you know – Both have some kind of creative partnership. And of course. Who do you think it is? Right. It becomes very obvious because the professor doesn't specify male, female, non-binary. The professor just says they. Um, And Kiki assumes it's a woman. So she keeps referring to herself in her like internal dialogue as she, her like you know, not competitor, but I think she kind of views her as a competitor, them as a competitor, but it's not a she after all, it is Malachi. So getting into, let's say, act two of this book, getting into this middle chunk of this book when the action starts to pick up is when we figure out that Malachi is this other student um, because she watches a short film that he's made and at the end, it's like a Malachi Karete film and she's like, God damn it.
1: yeah. And she's mad because it's very good, and she doesn't want to think it's good because she doesn't want to work with him. Right. Yeah, she's
0: like, I don't like this guy. How dare he make something good? Right. (laughs) Which we've all felt before. Yeah, that's relatable.
1: So the next day, after the Freaky Fridays showdown, kiss, whatever you want to call it, uh, Amina and Kiki are at brunch after also Kiki has watched his short film. And has decided, okay, you know, maybe he is good at what he does. <laughs> I'll admit to it. And Malachi and Kofi, the DJ, Amina's significant other, that she's not stringing along, but she's making him work for it. Which is a very funny dynamic throughout the book. Um, because she knows she's a catch and she doesn't want him to take her for granted, is what she keeps saying. Which, you know it. All the power to her. Until the end, kind of, but. <laughs> and so they all, they finish up brunch and they all start walking to this other part of town. So Kofi and Malachi can go play basketball and Amina and Kiki are going grocery shopping. And Kofi and Amina are kind of go off doing their own thing in front of them. And Malachi and Kiki start talking. And Kiki makes this proposition That to do something new for her show, they enter a fake relationship. Of course. Why not? That's the only answer. Obviously, that's how you become a really famous, you know, radio DJ or whatever you want to call it. This this is what you do. This is how you get into the fellowship. Absolutely. Lie. (laughs) (laughs) Somewhat. (laughs) And Malachi wants her help with his new video project, his new short film which he wants to do exploring relationships and he wants her to do the interviews and help him, you know, craft the storyline and basically just talk to other couples and find out what makes people want to enter a relationship which he cannot relate to. So,
0: right. right. And so he starts coming on her radio show, they bring out this they they start this fake relationship, which it becomes very clear very early on um, that nothing about this is fake. Um, They're just both kind of lying to themselves, honestly. Um, Usually, I feel like with a fake dating, it seems like properly fake at first, and then they catch feelings. But this is like from
1: day one, they're super into it. Yeah, especially from Malachi's side, like there is no pretense of him not being into this like he is fully right wanting to date kiki and get to know her and so their first kind of date quote unquote is going to this diner Mm
0: -hmm. at midnight
1: okay when i was reading this book i was like they are always out so late i'm exhausted college students man So I love this first
0: date because this is when we really start to get – I feel like this is when Bolo's writing like really starts to sing. Like it's so good throughout. But there there are some like really beautiful moments here that I really loved. Like when she's getting dressed for this date, she says – she doesn't say she thinks, I guess – I regretted wearing something that showed off my middle. What if the butterflies flew too close to the edge of my stomach so he could see the imprints of their wings pressed up against my skin? Uh. And that was like really the first point in the book that I was like, holy fucking shit. Um, And there's another – in that same scene, there's a line – My smile had had enough of being trapped and spilled out, wide and brazen and messy, dripping everywhere. It soaked through my clothes and into my skin. So this is what I'm talking about with, like, her use of metaphor is so fucking good. This is so
1: good. It's so good. It is all so visual and just really, really pretty. It's just beautiful writing. And this is also where they really start to decide that they want to be friends. Mm -hmm. Also, Kiki is, you know, very much trying to keep him at arm's length, even though, you know, we can all see this is not a fake relationship. They do want to date, but she's doing her best to not be attracted to him. But they both get a little bit vulnerable. Malachi tells her about how he knows the diner owner. Which is when he was, you know, he had just moved to the school and he Was walking around taking pictures late at night and was harassed by a police officer and almost arrested. And the diner owner comes out and, you know, comforts him after and makes sure sure that he's okay and steps in. And then we also, as they're leaving the diner, Kiki tells him a little bit more about her, which she's very guarded but she tells him a little bit about her background and that her mom was sick for a lot of her time in in high school and that she took care of her little sister a lot. You know, she lets her guard down for the first time, which is not a side of her we've seen outside of her with Amina a little bit. There's this really good piece of dialogue from Kiki that I'm going to read that I think characterizes her really well. After she tells malachi about her mom her mom her mom is better at this point which is good um but after she tells him about that he says i'm sorry for what your family went through i'm really glad your mom's okay and she says thanks me too it's weird after it happened it's like i forgot how not to repress stuff i spent so long doing it it's kind of like i can't go back and i get scared that i can't go back I mean, it's fine for now, but I want to know that I know how to not repress stuff. I want that option. It freaks me out if I think about it too hard. Like, what if I never know how to do it? What if I'm permanently emotionally fucked?
0: Yeah, this is like, if you want one thing that encapsulates this character, it's this moment for sure. Like, this says so much about what we need to know
1: about Kiki. Yeah, and I also found that a really relatable moment for anybody who's kind of had to go through something that's hard and sustained for a long time where you have to kind of put all your emotions away to just you know get through it and buckle down and grit your teeth where you come out of it and you're like oh shoot I don't remember how to let myself feel upset about what happened because I've spent so long making sure that I can get through another day doing it you know
0: Right, or taking care of other people, and I feel like that rings especially true for people who, like Kiki, went through something like that at such a young age. Because you know that I think it's kind of easy to forget because we we normally read romance novels about you know adult adults. Not that college students aren't grown ups because they absolutely are, but usually we read romance novels about people who are like usually people are like twenty five ish. I feel like. Like 25 feel, to 30.
1: Yeah. And I feel like that's always the very young end is the ones that are like my age. Like Taylor in um My Killer Vacation is 25 and Miles right. comments on her like being young and like, yeah, I'm 25. But, you know, whatever. And
0: so you it's easy to forget because we're used to reading these books about older people. It's easy to forget how young they are going through all of the things that are that are hard about college and all of the things that are hard about friendships and relationships and family stuff when you're in college, like that's such a hard time in general. And then you think about the fact that both of these characters, um, have had some pretty heavy family shit happen to them at pretty young ages. Um, that's, that's really shaped them in the way they look at relationships. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So another kind of through line of this book that we talked about a little bit is that Kiki is, you know, very introverted. She's very guarded. She doesn't like to let other people in. And she really only has one friend. And she's mostly fine with that. But it turns out something... It turns out there's a reason behind that. And Mm -hmm. she had something happen in high school that basically shapes her entire worldview for friendships, for relationships... It basically inspired her to create brown sugar, even as a young woman who hasn't been in a lot of relationships. And so we have this little time jump where we go back to Kiki in high school while her mom is sick and we meet her group of high school friends. And one of them is Rianne. And she and Rianne were very, very, very close. She emphasizes like they were best friends and. Um, and they had a very traumatic friend breakup, which centered around a man. A man
0: behaving badly. Yes. Um, so so that that is worth saying if you have not read this book, you should check content warnings for it. It is not uh vivid,
1: but it is there. So Yes. So yeah. Trigger warning for us to talk about it right now. Um, you know, skip ahead if you don't want to talk about some hints of sexual assault. But what happens in the book is her friend Rihanna has this boyfriend who is into Kiki. She's not. She's not into him. And her friends convince her to come out with them because she hasn't in a while, because she's been so focused on taking care of her little sister while her mom is sick. And they convince her to come out finally. And Rianne's boyfriend starts coming on to her, convinces her to come upstairs, and starts kissing her. She doesn't want to. He tries to convince her. He's very, very, very pushy. It it doesn't move past that. Like Katie said, it's not very vivid, but it's it's awful, and it's traumatic, and it's traumatic for Kiki, and she thinks she did something wrong. And she tries to tell Rianne, but... Brienne's boyfriend gets to her first and spins it that Kiki came on to him. And we know that's not true. And she believes the boyfriend and stops talking to Kiki.
0: Yeah. So it's this really heartbreaking moment for so many reasons. And, you know, it's no wonder Kiki's pretty guarded after that. Like if that was because we also find out around this part that Kiki's a virgin. So. We don't know if this situation with Rianne's boyfriend was her first ever, like, sexual experience in any way or if she had, you know, had any type of, of relationship before that. But, but she doesn't have a lot of sexual experience. And so I imagine that makes this even harder to process for her. And yeah, it makes total sense that this becomes kind of the moment
1: that um, – That impacts her for for years to follow yeah you know it it makes her want to protect other women from going through what she did Mm -hmm. which is really sad in one way where she also feels like she can't really talk about what happened nobody really knows i don't think except for her close friend amina and that's kind of it. She just, she's not very honest about it. Or she, I shouldn't say that. She just, she keeps it close. Right. And she doesn't let a lot of people in. She doesn't trust herself to have close female friendships anymore. Because she didn't just lose Rianne. She lost her other two friends in high school. Um, one of which who sided with Rianne. The other of whom, you know, tried to reach out to Kiki. But Kiki kind of shut her out. And... She goes to college kind of just ready to move on. And friend breakups are hard, and it sucks. And this one especially in this book, you know, they suck no matter what. But this is a traumatic one, too. Right, right.
0: Yeah. And,
1: and yeah, it it's really sad. But it's,
0: it's also really, really nice to watch really in the second half of the book, um, as Kiki starts to open up to Malachi, you know, they become good friends pretty much instantly. And of course there's this undertone of more, um, for a lot of the book, but, but really at their core, they're really good friends and they're collaborators and, um, they're working on their projects together and he starts coming on her radio show. Um, but then she also starts to kind of befriend the other women on campus, which is really, really cool. Um, really cool to watch and it's cool to just see her open up. And she even has this moment like on the air with um, with Malachi because he starts coming on – they start doing a radio show together essentially to talk about relationship stuff. And they have this super honest conversation on the air where he basically is like, um, I could have been – clearer about my feelings and like what I've been up to like he they have this really nice moment um where they're like talking about a conflict that they had and he's like fessing up to being like yeah maybe I messed up and she's like yeah maybe I messed up too and it's this really nice moment and like I said so often in these books there are barriers to communication and that's the main point of conflict (laughs) Um, but that's totally not the case with these two. They're, they're not talking about having feelings for each other romantically necessarily, but they're talking about everything else, including like way heavier shit than their romantic feelings for each other.
1: Yeah. That's kind of funny. I didn't really think of that when I was reading it, you know, cause I obviously noticed that Kiki's not being super honest with even herself about her feelings for Malachi. So right. It's not necessarily a fault that she's not telling him because she won't even admit to herself, but they are having these very deep, raw conversations about just, you know, general communication issues that would come up in any relationship, not just a romantic one. Yeah. And they're doing it on the radio. And he says the most emotionally mature
0: thing that I've ever heard a man say in my (laughs) life, (laughs) which, like, I'm sorry, but a, a. Twenty-year-old college man would never say this, Bolu Babalola. I love you. This would never happen.
1: <laughs> Suspend your reality here. Yeah,
0: yeah. He says it was easier for me to believe you were being unreasonable than actually face up to the emotional shit. Like, yeah, I love a self-aware man, but none of them are that self-aware. I'm sorry. No, <laughs>
1: we can we can wish and hope, yeah. but very very rarely, and especially not in college. <laughs> yeah. So, nothing yeah. like a man written by a woman. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. So, moving now kind of toward the last third of the book, we've gotten these little these little moments of romance between the two of them where they're spending a lot of time together even outside of their projects. Like mm-hmm. they're They're proper friends. They're going to the diner. They're hanging out at Freaky Fridays every week. They're going to each other's apartments to study, to have dinner together, and kind of later in the book, they're at Malachi's apartment, and Kiki ends up spending the night, so we have an only one bed moment, yeah. which is really cute, because she is like, fallen asleep in his bed already, and he offers to sleep on the floor, and she says, no, don't do that, that's silly, and... Actually, it turns into kind of a big moment in the book. It does. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about this. Um, I'm glad my highlight reminded me. But so they they sleep in bed together. Nothing happens. And they wake up and Kiki's like, I think I want something to happen. And so she starts kind of like snuggling up next to him and they start kind of flirting and he stops her. Yeah. And she gets really, really embarrassed and just like runs out of his apartment.
0: Yeah. It's kind of this like, oh, shit, did I totally misread this situation? Like, I thought maybe, but maybe not. It's you just you feel for her so much in this moment because it's I got kind of secondhand awkward reading this because I was like, oh, this poor thing, even though like. I know that he's also feeling it because I'm reading this book and I know that's what's happening, but like, uh, it was just hard to read.
1: Yeah. It's like, I'm reading it. I'm like, no, 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 no. You both want this to happen, but this is just like, not the moment for it. Just sit down and talk about it. But she's so embarrassed. She like leaves.
0: But right before that scene in the book, we have this whole day that Kiki and Malachi spend together. That's one of my favorite moments of the whole book, but also like a lot happens this day. So um, it kind of makes sense that maybe Kiki is feeling really close to Malachi, feeling really vulnerable, and maybe why this almost steamy moment happens and why she's so embarrassed about it. So the day before, Malachi shows up at Kiki's apartment dressed in cosplay for... For these like fantasy romance novels that Kiki loves. Uh, Ah,
1: I love this so much. It's so
0: cute because A, he like went above and beyond for this cosplay. B, he started reading these books just because she liked them. She didn't ask him to. And he's like fully into them. But she has told him that she doesn't have anyone who will do cosplay with her to go to this, like, convention, essentially. Um, But he shows up. It's this moment where he's, like, in this, like, scantily clad cosplay outfit, like, in this, like, on this cold-ass day. Um, And, of course, he looks super hot, right? That's part of it. Yeah. Um, So they go to this convention together, um, and they have this, like... Really nice day. It's super fun. Kiki's like on top of the world, having the best time. And they run into rianne Kiki's high school friend.
1: Yeah. Malachi and Kiki decide that they're gonna do some interviews for his short film while they're at the at the convention. Um, and so he goes to the coffee line and finds this girl that he starts talking to who has, like, the same coffee order as Kiki that he always makes fun of, which her coffee order sounds delicious. It's like caramel, it chocolate, hazelnut or something like that. It sounds great. I want to try it. Um, but he meets this girl and he's like, oh, you wouldn't believe this. Like, I met this girl. She's got the same coffee order as you. Uh, she and her boyfriend are going to come over. We're going to interview them. And it, they show up and it's Rianne, but not with the same boyfriend from high school. A different guy. And Kiki freezes. And
0: Malachi actually knows who Rianne is because they had just previously had this heart-to-heart where Kiki overheard this conversation between Malachi and his dad, so we get this backstory of this really tense relationship that Malachi and his dad have. And in turn, Kiki kind of tells Malachi what happened to her as well. They have this like mutual exchanging of trauma. So Malachi has just heard this entire story and they run into Rianne and they see her and Kiki's like, okay, I think I have to go up and talk to her. And so it's this really intense moment. It all ends up being okay. Um, Everything gets ironed out. Rianne basically says, I fucked up. Like, I shouldn't have believed him. I should have believed you. Rianne's happy with this new guy. It's this nice moment. But all of these things happen right before Malachi and Kiki have this, like, almost make out. So, A, it does seem like all of that was leading up to this very intimate moment between them because they've been very emotionally intimate with each other. but it also totally makes sense why Kiki is so embarrassed and runs off.
1: So we get to one of my other favorite things that comes up in a rom com, which is a friend trip. Yeah. And so when they when they decide to embark on their on their fake relationship, this is one of Malachi's conditions: is that he's going to go with her on this trip that happens every year with one of his friends, um, who is the son of like a football star. So he has a lot of money and just, like, uses it to be a good friend, basically, and have all his friends over at his big house. Giant house, house, yeah. 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 And so that's one of the conditions. Kiki has been invited before, or Amina was invited and asked her to come, and she said no because she's Kiki and is very introverted, and so... She's nervous. She's uncomfortable. She and Malachi are in this really weird spot where they haven't been talking after they almost made out. And she shows up with Amina and kind of in a full circle moment, the two women that Malachi dated in the very beginning that almost fought over him, who they end up becoming really good friends with Kiki and Amina, which is really nice.
0: Yeah, it's like a John Tucker must die moment, except
1: wholesome. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Everyone's friends. (laughs) Yeah, everyone's friends. (laughs) And so they, uh, the four girls show up to this party. Malachi's there too. And Kofi's talking to Amina and Kiki. And he's like, I don't know what's with Malachi. He's been in such a fucking mood. And Kiki's been really quiet too. She skipped Freaky Fridays, which she never does. And they're just, not having a good time. Yeah, he
0: says, he literally says, you don't want to lose me in the custody battle, which is so funny. Yes, oh my gosh. Kofi says that to Kiki, which is so funny because that's a joke that I make with one of my friends who I uh, who I received in the custody battle of one of my relationships.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's a serious decision. So while they're on this friend trip, which is, you know, as it is in a college house party, everyone's just drinking, having a good time. They're playing all these drinking games. Uh, there's like a competition where Malachi wins the master bedroom for the night. And it's hey. got like, a, yeah, oh, we know where this is going. <laughs> but it has like a hot tub and it's like fancy and nice. And he he wins the drinking games uh, with the help of Kiki. And. You know they're all they're all feeling loose. They're all drinking. They're all having a good time. And Kiki and Malachi start dancing together. And Malachi apologizes, and Kiki says, "What for?" Oh, this moment. Yeah, I'm just gonna read it. Yeah. So, okay, I'm gonna start from the beginning. Uh-huh. So they're dancing, and. This is Malachi. I'm sorry, Scotch. Malachi's breath was hypnotically warm against my ear, his grip still tight on me. The song had changed, but the tempo remained the same, giving us an excuse to stay like this. I swallowed. What for? Making you feel like I don't want you. He stopped moving, spinning me around so I was facing him, his hands still resting on my hips. Kiki, I want you. Been wanting you. And I wanted you so bad the other night. The reality of you isn't messy. It's, man, it's perfect. I'm the mess. That's why I got freaked out. I mess things up, Scotch. If I fuck this up, I will never forgive myself. This isn't a casual thing to me. You're not just a link to me. You're it to me.
0: Uh, I'm literally like pulling my hair out of my head right now. It's so good. For one thing, uh. I'm, I'm the mess. For another thing, this isn't just a casual thing to me. You're not just a link to me. You're it's me. Jesus fucking Christ, this man. Uh, but then who shows up to the party? But the fucking word?
1: <laughs> and he comes in saying, hear ye, hear ye, the king has arrived, which totally just characterizes this person as the worst. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Part of what we haven't really been talking about is that that this political side story has been unfolding all along where people think Zach is up to some shady shit in their, like, on-campus club, basically. And um, he's, like, essentially colluding with what sounds like a bunch of, like,
1: racist white guys on campus. It sounds like a bunch of racist white business majors. Yeah. Yeah. And so...
0: There's something shady going on here. It all comes out in the end. But at this point, Kiki's like, we don't trust this man. And there's like kind of this uprising, basically. Um, And he shows up at this party and ruins this really nice moment. Doesn't ruin it, but ruins it for the reader. (laughs) Ruins this nice moment between Kiki and Malachi. And of course, Zach has some shit to say um, to Kiki. About her relationship with Malachi and all of this stuff. And so there's some there's some male ego shit that ends up going down. And, you know, Malachi obviously stands up for Kiki. It's tense, but it's like not a big deal. But it does like that coming on the heels of him apologizing. It really like smooths over any of that awkwardness that was happening between them.
1: And then they go to bed.
0: Or they go to the oh, bedroom.
1: Yeah. They go to the bedroom. And, yeah, um, it, it's actually this really nice moment where, yeah, Kiki is... Zach's trying to, like, confront her, and she's not having it. Malachi kind of lets her hold her own, and then he he steps in when, when he's supposed to, really. Right. And they have this... He, well, he shoves him, which is great, um, because I'm begging for somebody to punch this guy. No one gets punched, but...
0: I've never met a more punchable character in a romance novel.
1: For real. Oh, my gosh. I was waiting for somebody to just shove this man in a trash can or do something. I don't know. Malachi (laughs) shoves him against the fridge and Zach leaves. And there's this really nice moment between them where Kiki's feeling very emotionally spent by what just happened, which, Mm -hmm. you know, even though everybody's okay, she's. She's tired. She wants to be alone. She wants an introvert moment, but with Malachi, which is that's what I always say when I need to go, like, be by myself is like, I need an introvert moment. And Malachi's like, okay, well, after party, just us. Yeah. And so they retreat to their, like,
0: room with this giant, like, 88 inch TV and the king size bed and all of this stuff, which, like, in college is, like, basically staying at the fucking Ritz.
1: (laughs) Oh, I spent a semester sleeping in my college boyfriend's twin sized bed almost every <laughs> night.
0: This uh, would have been
1: incredible. I don't know how yeah. I did that. I don't know I don't how know. you did that either. I don't know. It wasn't I don't know. Wouldn't recommend. Um so then when they get into the bedroom, um Kiki decides
0: that she wants to interview Malachi for the for the the film that
1: they're making. Okay, do you think she actually wants to interview him, or is this just a ruse? No, she's making Thank a you. move. <laughs> okay, okay. She's just making make, a move. Just making sure. It's it, Yeah, this is a ruse.
0: Yeah, because he's sitting on the desk chair, and she's sitting on the desk and, like, kind of puts her leg up. It's very—if you want to interview somebody, you're not doing
1: it like this. Trust us, we're journalists. <laughs> I've never straddled a source before. <laughs> Me neither. Don't worry. <laughs> don't
0: so then do we have. Ha- <laughs> so then we have like, uh, again, like how we were talking about their first kiss was like a couple of pages. This is like a very prolonged scene here, that is kind of a lot of build up and making out. They they don't have sex, so there's actually no sex in this book. Yeah. Well, this is the- if you're counting, you know actual intercourse penetration.
1: Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. There's there's, you know, kind of everything but penetration. Like Exactly. It's not it's not the spiciest book, despite the name Honey and Spice. It is, you know. If you're here for the sex, it's it's not all sex. There's a lot of plot in this
0: book. A lot of plot. A lot going on here. Um but this moment is really nice. It's a really steamy scene, even though it's not like super it's not super spicy, but it's steamy. Um, you yeah. know, it's very romantic. There, It's not very vivid imagery, but of course, we've got Bolo's like typical, beautiful, lyrical writing. I've never read a more beautifully written like hookup scene before. Right. Um, it's really, really nice. So that's it. For those keeping score at home, this is at 80%. So it takes us – or 80-ish. Uh, I think it was at like 79. But, you know. So it takes a minute for us to get here, and this is the only, only little bit of of fire
1: emoji that we get. Yeah, and it is this very nice moment at the end where you know uh, Kiki for a minute feels like she has to reciprocate, and mm-hmm. because you know they've just made out. Uh, Malachi takes care of her. Yeah, you know, Kiki gets you off and she feels yep. like she's like, okay, your turn. And Malachi tells her, do you want to? And she's kind of like, well, like, I, I want, I want it to be good for you. And he's like, it was. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Only do what you want to do. And it is a really nice redeeming moment for all the shit that Kiki has had to go through with mm-hmm. the other men in her that have come through her life and this is like a good like fist pump moment in the book of like thank god somebody's yeah. being a good partner to her <laughs> fucking
0: finally. So one of my favorite pieces of writing in this entire book is in uh is at the very end of this um chapter and I'll I'll read a little bit of it cuz it's just god it's so good actually i'll i'll read the whole thing it's the last paragraph of chapter 22 uh when they they have this nice moment and you know they're in this like post-coital bliss more or less and this is kiki's inner monologue basically it felt as good as all my best feelings melded into one Ice lemonade on a hot day, the first time I listened to the album lemonade, hot Lagos rain on my skin while riding a bike around my granddad's compound when I was 12, finding a five-pound note in the pocket of a jacket, sun between my shoulder blades, a bookmarked pair of shoes on sale, someone canceling plans I was dreading, the taste of ripe plantain fried golden, the way Frank Ocean repeats pleasure on pink matter but somehow more, somehow wider, somehow deeper, something that was part of me now, fusing into my skin and into my soul, it made me feel like I was floating, flying, and falling at the same time. Like I was ascending while rooted safely.
1: Ah, it's so good. Ah! I I love this moment for Kiki so much. And this is where the book really works for me as a book about 20-year-olds mm-hmm. or people in, people in college. I feel like so much of the books I read... Like, when I was younger, about people who were, like, barely older than me in high school, they read, like, full, 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 full adults, like, in their late 20s, of, like, being super sexually experienced and whatnot, and you have to kind of suspend your reality. Like, you know, the gossip girl of it all. Right. But but in this one, Kiki is very honest with herself of, like, I'm not ready to have sex, and tells Malachi that. He's very cool with it. This, um... This experience she has with him is the first time she's orgasmed with a guy, as she says. And, yeah, you just don't see that as often in romances that are set in, like, late high school, college. Because so right. much of it seems like, you know, like I said, the gossip girl of it all. You gotta have the the spicy sex scenes for these, yeah. for these young people. So
0: a lot happens in the final stretch of this book, the final 20% of this book. Yes. <laughs> Most of it, not great. No. Um,
1: shit gets kind of bad for Kiki here at the end. So part of this underlying plot point of this unrest that's going on on campus is one of Kiki's friends approaches her and asks her to talk about this upcoming debate that Zach has organized with, these presumably white racist business majors on, quote unquote, all lives matter. And obviously, for good reason, people aren't happy about it. But Kiki kind of gently lets her down and says that she doesn't want brown sugar to be political in that sense. So after this friend trip, she and Malachi are like fully relationship. They're you know they're making out all the time. They're having a good time. They're they're fully in it, and she Kiki starts to feel it seems like more confident in herself and what she has to say. And so she sees this protest going on about basically Zach and what's going on and the and the quote unquote debate. And Kiki decides to join in and lend her very powerful voice on campus to it. And Zach gets really pissed off with everything that's already happened, getting blown off at this party, that Kiki won't get back together with him, and further cements himself as the shittiest person in the entire world and releases a photo that he snuck of Kiki in his room where she's undressing to prove that they had a, a fling.
0: Yeah, um it's not a full nude. She's in her underwear, but she's taking off her dress. Um but it's still really really bad and really really embarrassing and of course also for someone like Kiki who you know was sexually assaulted, this is extremely upsetting for her. And so she just shuts down like basically all progress that she has made on coming out of her shell, you know trusting people all of that is undone just by this one terrible man posting this photo on social media. everyone on campus sees it everyone knows it's her he names her he writes this super long caption that takes up an entire page more than a page in the book and it's um, it's just like it just destroys Kiki. And so Kiki's feeling upset, obviously, and it leads to tension in her and Malachi's relationship. And it kind of seems like she's just lashing out at this point. Like, she's just like, I feel like shit, so I'm going to ruin everything, which re- – <laughs> relatable. Yeah. Um, she's just self-sabotaging at this point, right? Because she's retreating back into her shell. So she and Malachi get into this fight and – um Basically, she lies um, and she's like, oh, this was all for the show. This isn't real. Whatever hurts him, hurts herself in the process. Um, And then she just goes into this depression,
1: basically. Yeah. And that's that's the that's the pivotal fight of the book. And she just kind of further sinks into this. Yeah, this depressive point in her life after what happened with Zach. And now she doesn't have Malachi either. Yeah, but you know who she does have? Her girlfriends. <gasps> yes! Oh! Her, her new little
0: group of girls um, who essentially show up and tell her to get her shit together. Um, and she confesses everything to them. She she tells them, which Amina already knew, but she tells the other girls um, that the relationship started out fake, that it became real, that she was lying to everyone,
1: and um they're basically like, Okay, we love you anyway. It's very nice. It's funny too, because they start laughing at her when she tries to say it was a fake relationship, and one of her new friends, Shanti, goes, lie to us. Oh, honey, thank God you're pretty. Ha <laughs> ha does she genuinely think she was in a fake relationship this entire time? And then it's Amina so starts funny. laughing. Yeah, they all just like laugh at her and she's like, I don't get it. And they, they just kind of like move on. They're like, okay, whatever. Sure, sure. You were in a fake relationship. Okay, Kiki. Sure.
0: Yeah, so they basically, so the winter ball is coming up. And so they are basically like, get your shit together. We're still going to the ball. This is still happening. You're not going to let... These men get you down, basically. So let's talk about the grand gesture. Let's bring it ah, home, shall we? Because yeah. this is this was a very good grand gesture.
1: Yes. Oh,
0: yes. This was So great. all of the Blackwellians are at the winter ball, the Afro winter ball. And Kiki does a live broadcast of brown sugar from the ball where she basically fesses up. She's like, I lied to y'all. I'm sorry. I betrayed your trust. And then Amina, her BFF producer, also uh, opens it up for questions, says people are going to call into the show, and there's a phone call, and guess who it is? It's Malachi professing his love, and then... <laughs> So they have this running inside joke where, like, their song is thong song, which is so fucking funny. And he essentially recruits the campus acapella group to show up
1: and perform thong song for her, which is so funny. It's so funny and it's so cute. It doesn't, like, had this happened in real life, I don't know how I would have reacted to it. But it's really, really sweet in the book, <laughs> and it is a very funny grand gesture,
0: yeah, and right before this he shows like a clip like clips from the film they were working on together. It's this like very well produced grand gesture like this this man must have read some romance novels because uh he thought this out,
1: oh yeah, there's like cues. this is well choreographed,
0: yeah. Of course, then they have this moment where they confess their love for each other. It's really beautiful. Kiki gets the fellowship. Uh, Zach Kingsford has his fall from grace. Um, Power is restored to those who
1: deserve it. Kiki becomes the new president of the Afro-Caribbean society, which is great. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, everyone lives happily ever after. Except... Only for now,
0: because as we were researching this episode, we found out that Bolu Babalola is writing a sequel to this book that is actually a second chance romance with these same characters, with Kiki and Malachi, years later. Amina's getting married, and obviously everyone's coming out to celebrate, and... So we find out just by nature of knowing that this book is happening that at some point Malachi and Kiki have broken up, which is not surprising. College relationships are – you're young. They don't oh, always last. It's not right. surprising that they've broken up. So i the question I have for you is now that you know we read this book not knowing that they were going to break up at the end. We think it's a happily ever after as all romance novels are. Does now knowing that they've broken up for the past 24 hours or whatever that we've known this change anything about this book for you? Change the way you read it? Change the way you thought about the relationship? Or no?
1: It makes me like it even more. Yeah, like I, me too. I think, I think it's really realistic that they would have broken up and that, you know, something would have happened and they would have just drifted apart because, you know, that's what happens with college relationships. Um, except for amina and kofi who are the ones getting married in the sequel which is really exciting because that means we get a wedding which i love (laughs) so and the second chance it's all of my shit so no genuinely it makes me like how we get to see this relationship play out even more because you know just because we know it's gonna end that doesn't mean it's not real for kiki and malachi and that it is this very important time of their life where they're figuring this out. And like, I'm excited to see why they broke up in the sequel. Yeah. If it was something, you know, kind of silly or if it was something really, really heartbreaking. I think it could go either way, you know? Um, But no, I think it's, I think it's realistic that they broke up and I appreciate that. Balu Babalilla is treating it as such like a real relationship that ebbs and flows.
0: Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm, you know, Bolu is 31 years old. I'm almost 31 years old. And so I'm really interested to read her writing of these characters as 20-year-olds and then reading her writing of these characters as, you know, 30-somethings, however old they are in in this new book. I'm really interested to see what changes, what stays the same. There's an interview with Bolu in Entertainment Weekly um, where she talks about this that I'll put in the show notes also so y'all can read about it because it's really interesting. I've literally never read a romance series that revisits the same romance in the second book, like in this
1: way. I haven't either, because if you usually revisit the characters, it's because they're still together and they're now side characters in Right. But this is literally the same main characters, same, you know, pairing and even the same like side pairing. Like right. Amina and Kofi are getting married. Um, I would expect that the sequel will probably be spicier than this one. So that'll be yeah, interesting Yeah, that's what I was thinking.
0: So what other overall impressions about this book do you want to share?
1: So I already talked about that this is probably the quote unquote youngest romance I've ever read um one thing we didn't really talk about is that there's an investigative journalism side to this book which there is, is it's very funny you don't find out it's happening until the end um but there's this character who seems just like a mean girl and then it turns out she's been working behind the scenes to bring down Zach the entire time and I love that I thought it was so funny and just... I thought the drama in this book was really fun. Like, yeah. it's really just kind of silly, like petty, interpersonal drama. It's not always super serious. It's really fun to see the way the different cliques react or interact with each other on campus. Um, and yeah, it, I found it very, very much like being in college, being in high school in in a fun way. Um, yeah, and so, for sure. I love the reveal that the the quote unquote mean girl on campus is actually working behind the scenes like in some sort of political drama to bring down the president. So that was a very fun reveal to me. I loved that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was that was really fun. I really liked that. I think another thing that I really loved about this book that's like a through line that we haven't really talked about that much is, you know, just the way these two characters communicate to and with each other through their art and how their relationship evolves through their art. I think it's, it's you know, this is a love story. This is a story of college students. This is a story about trust and, you know, moving on from trauma. But it's also kind of a story about making art and how that impacts your relationship and your community. Um, and I just... I think I really enjoyed reading both Kiki and Malachi's relationship to their individual art projects and art forms and how it shaped them and shaped their relationship. I thought that was really beautiful. Mm,
1: Yeah, that adds a really nice aspect to their relationship. And like you said, it makes sense why they work so well and why the professor was right. So.
0: Um, one other thing I want to talk about is after we finished reading this book, I immediately read Bolu's first book, which is not a novel. It's a collection of short stories. It's called Love and Color. I loved Honey and Spice so much and I wanted to read more of Bolu's work. And this was before we knew the sequel was coming out. And Love in Color is really fantastic. I just wanted to mention it for a recommendation because Bolu takes these old folk tales, um, different myths from different cultures, some of them different African cultures, uh, some Greek and Roman mythology, which is extremely my shit, um, and retells them with a modern like feminist Twist and I, Abigail, I texted you. It's like if Neil Gaiman wrote contemporary romance, it's really, really nice. And it was a super quick read because they're all short stories, so you just zoom through them.
1: So, favorite quotes, just real quick one that I found very funny at the beginning when they're at Freaky Fridays after they've made out for the first time is uh, she and Malachi are kind of joking around and uh. He's kind of calling her out for what she said on the radio show. And he's like, you're making me out to be like a guy who's got like two families on the coast, like one in Houston and one in England. Like, you know, taking me to international business trips in Houston. And she goes, what kind of business is taking you to Houston? Do you sell Bibles? <laughs> it's always funny to read anything Texas related from like an international audience. and Yeah. I lived in Houston.
0: That's you know. so funny. At the very beginning, that opening scene, when she's like breaking up with Zach and he mentions like she left an earring or something there. And she goes, well, if I did leave an earring, you can toss it. I never wear my good shit here.
1: <laughs> ah, it's so good. <laughs> she says the best shit about Zach to and about him. Of so just, funny. Like, I'm just taking notes of... If I ever need to completely obliterate a man, I have one here. It's in my Kindle highlights, so I can't remember if she said it or it may have been Amina. But it's this quote that says, and I don't think Zach counts. I feel like Zach was just kind of like a sentient dildo, a barely sentient dildo. (laughs) I think Amina does say that now that you say that. That's so fucking funny. I think it's like a pep talk that she's giving Kiki. Because Amina doesn't, nobody likes Zach. Kiki doesn't even like Zach. She was just using him for a hookup. And I think that's so funny.
0: I have another one that I can't believe I didn't mention earlier. (laughs) Kiki says, this is her internal monologue. She's not speaking this to anybody. I wasn't a virgin nerd. I was a virgin bad bitch. Also, I could drive. I was no Cher Horowitz. (laughs)
1: I was literally about to say the first part of this quote. This was going to be the next one that I was like, no, I have to bring this up because it starts with this is mortifying. I was crying like some kind of virgin nerd. I mean, technically, yes, I was a virgin. And OK, yes, I was kind of into fantasy cosplay, but I wasn't a virgin nerd. I was a virgin bad bitch. Th- that's <laughs> also, where my I could highlight. drive. <laughs> yeah. My highlight ended at I was a virgin bad bitch. I knew that's you were going to so say funny. this one. Ugh. This is an all-timer. Yeah, I'm going to remember that one. (laughs) Okay, so now we can move on to um, Katie. What are you reading now?
0: What am I reading now? Well, you will not be surprised to know that yesterday when I wrote this outline, I was going to talk about how I am reading Thank You for Listening by Julia Whalen, but it was so good I fucking finished it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. This book is so good. I loved it so much. I know I've talked about it on the pod several times, but I finally read it. I, it was one of those that I was saving um, because I was like afraid. I didn't I, – I liked looking forward to it so much that I wanted to hold on to looking forward to it instead of just actually reading it. And so I finally just did it. And I started it last night and I finished it. When was I texting you about it? Like this afternoon? Um, yeah. So I sped – Through it, I read way too late last night. I got up this morning and read. I read at lunch, like nonstop. This book is so great. So Julia Whalen, as we've said on the pod before, is an audiobook narrator who narrates many lovely books. A lot of them rom coms. A lot of them Emily Henry (laughs) books. Um, And so we love her. I love her. I'm an audiobook girly. And thank you for listening. Is about an audiobook narrator. This woman who is a former actress who was um, essentially disfigured in a freak accident and she's missing an eye. She has this scar across her face and she has – some issues, some trauma from that happening to her and from her feeling self-conscious about her looks. She gave up her acting career to go into audiobooks because she was self-conscious of her appearance. She has this one night fling in Vegas with this very hot Irishman. And then she gets this audiobook deal where she's reading, she's she's reading a romance novel and she doesn't narrate romance, but she it's this author she really loves. Um, who died, who gave her this like an offer she can't refuse, basically. But she has to team up with this notorious um, male audiobook narrator who no one knows his real identity, but he has like the sexiest voice of all the male narr- narrators. So they strike up this friendship over email, over text. It's a very you've got male situation because. This audiobook narrator is quite obviously the hot Irishman. Um, and so there's this moment at the end where they meet up and they have this romance. It's You've Got Mail, except you actually get the romance at the end after they find out who each other are. Oh, it's so lovely. It's so nice.
1: Yeah. So, okay. So you finished this one. What are you reading now?
0: So I started Hang the Moon, which is the second book in Alexandria Bellaflores Written in the Star series. So I started that one today. Which I am loving. It's um the, uh the brother of one of the leads in the first book is getting his love story. Who is, uh, his love interest is his sister's best friend. So fun Ooh. little trope. Yeah,
1: that'll be fun. Okay. Yeah,
0: it's sweet so far.
1: All right. What about you? What are yeah. you reading? So I also just finished a book. It is not a romance. But um, I very shockingly got off the library wait list very quickly for I'm Glad My Mom Died by Jeanette McCurdy. And if you haven't heard much about this book yet, which I'd be kind of surprised because it's very, very, very buzzy right now. Everyone's talking about it because if you are around my age, you likely grew up with Jeanette McCurdy on Nickelodeon um, because she was on iCarly. She was on the spinoff. I loved iCarly when I was a kid. I watched some episodes recently. It still holds up. It's very funny. But this whole memoir that Jeanette wrote is about her experience as a child actress and her relationship with her mother, who is horrifically abusive. And she writes it in this series of vignettes. They're incredibly short chapters. like. 4 to 5 pages max basically. And it it covers her life basically from age 6 up until the present and massive trigger warning. Um it is deeply deeply sad. There's not a, light, a lot of light moments, but I think it's really important to read and I'm I'm still thinking about it. Sorry, this isn't a very like happy recommendation, but I think it's I think it's important to read Jeanette's story and I really admire her for putting it to paper in her experience and yeah um, if you if you don't want to read the whole book you know you can read some interviews with her and and get the good gist of it because it is a really sad book but like I said I think it's important but today instead I started The Dead Romantics because Katie insisted <laughs> yes. I <bumped> it <laughs> So Kate have finally bullied Abigail into reading this book. So I read three chapters at the dog park today, and I already know I'm going to be up way too late tonight reading more of it because I'm mad I had to put it down to do this podcast. <laughs> right I fucking told you. I told you. I know you're right about all of them that you say I'm going to love. But that's the problem. I'm very excited to do get through the, the dead romantics. I feel like I don't need to summarize it because katie has done it like five times already. <laughs> but it's about a hot ghost and it's about a hot ghost i remember we were we were in your office after we had recorded an episode and you were reading the back of it and you're like i'm so excited and then it became one of your favorite books so far it's my number two book of the year behind tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow so ooh, yeah high praise yeah okay some quick housekeeping things before we sign off today Yeah, next book club book, September book club,
0: is... I wish I could do a drum roll, but I will not subject you all to that. It is. I'm holding the book in my hand right now. It is Delilah Green Doesn't Care by Ashley Herring Blake, our first queer
1: romance, which I'm very excited about. I'm very excited about this one. I see this one on Book Talk a lot. It's got a tattooed woman on the cover, so... You know, very much me and Katie's shit.
0: Yeah, this woman is hot. I'm
1: attracted to her just looking at her. I think
0: she's wearing docks. Oh, our people. Yeah.
1: Uh, Katie, would you like to do the honors of reading the blurb? I would. This is a long one. Oh, boy. Okay, do your, do your vocal warm-ups.
0: <clears throat> the text is really small, so I have to hold it really close to my face. Because it's Katie's kind of dark an old in here. W- Katie is actually 80 years old. I am. Delilah Green swore she would never go back to Bright Falls. Nothing is there for her but memories of a lonely childhood in which she was little more than a burden to her cold and distant stepfamily. Her life is in New York with her photography career finally gaining steam and her bed never empty. Ooh. Sure, there's a different woman in it every night, but that's just fine with her. When Delilah's estranged stepsister, Astrid, pressures her into photographing her wedding with a guilt trip and a five-figure check. Whoa. What? Damn, okay. Okay. Delilah finds herself back in the godforsaken town that she used to call home. She plans to breeze in and out, but then she sees Claire Sutherland, one of Astrid's stuck-up besties, and decides that maybe there's some fun and a little retribution to be had in Bright Falls after all. Having raised her 11-year-old daughter mostly on her own while dealing with her unreliable ex and running a bookstore, Claire Sutherland depends upon a life without surprises. And Delilah Green is an unwelcome surprise at first. Though they've known each other for years, they don't really know each other. So Claire is unsettled when Delilah figures out exactly what buttons to push. Mm. (laughs) When they're forced together during the gauntlet of wedding preparations, including a plot to save Astrid from her horrible fiancé, Claire isn't sure she has the strength to resist Lila's charms. Even worse, she's starting to think she doesn't want to. (gasps)
1: This is so much of our shit. I am so excited. I'm so excited. We got a small town. We got a wedding. We got an enemies to lovers. We've got a bookstore. We've got a villain, presumably. This is, oh my gosh, the horrible fiance.
0: And there's a sequel to this book about Astrid. So clearly breaking up the wedding works.
1: (laughs) Spoiler alert the wedding probably doesn't happen. There's wedding prep, which means wedding drama, which is really what I'm here for. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. Okay,
0: Yeah, this is going to be fun. So this is our this is our next book club episode, although I'm going to try to strong arm Abigail into doing a bonus book club about the dead romantics after she finishes
1: it. Spoiler. I think she's going to succeed. So. (laughs) Ha ha. Expect that one, too. I hope we've recommended it or I hope Katie's recommended it enough that you guys have been able to pick it up. If not, you know honestly we're probably going to do it so yeah A it's it. happening
0: no matter what read the book um and in the meantime you know where to find us at 50% pod on all social medias uh if you want to buy Delilah Green or if you want to buy The Dead Romantics or Honey and Spice or literally Pretty much every single book we have mentioned on this podcast, we do have a bookshop profile. Um, If you shop from bookshop.org, it not only supports us, but it supports independent bookstores, which is really nice. And they have the same prices as Amazon. They try to be competitive so that you do not have to buy books from Amazon. You can buy them from bookshop. You do have to wait a little longer for them to get there. But hey, isn't that worth uh, supporting your local bookstore and supporting your? favorite little romance podcasters
1: plus you have a month to read and get delilah green so the extra weight is worth
0: it yeah bookshop delivers in four to 11 business days because i just placed an order
1: yesterday so (laughs) did you do it through the podcast link i did i did wow support yourself i know it's like getting a discount yeah (laughs) yeah it kind of is yeah yeah
0: Um, but thanks guys we'll catch you next time thank you for listening as always and we'll see you next time